You are about to listen to Pastor Dominion Jiga, the lead pastor of Brace Up, a ministry aimed at bringing Christians to the Bible standard of word, prayer, and evangelism. Be blessed as you listen. As we study your word today, Father, we receive insights to the doers of your word. In Jesus' name. Um, the teaching series for discipleship class, um, the believer and his money. The believer and his money. It is said that Jesus spoke about money more than heaven and hell combined. <laughs> That's an awful amount of speaking about money. Jesus spoke about money more than heaven and hell combined. It's also said that he spoke about money more than faith and prayer combined. And in the church world today, money is a very controversial topic because it's money. <laughs> because it's money. I mean, even in the secular world, people kill themselves because of money. People, best friends kill themselves because of money. What is it about this paper that makes people lose their mind? Money is very powerful. And can I tell you something? If you're not deliberate, about resisting the hold of money on your life. It will have a strong hold on your life. You can't have a neutral disposition towards money. No. You must have a deli- you must make deliberate decisions about the hold of money on your life. Very very deliberate. Let me show you. Luke chapter 12. Thank you Lord. Luke chapter 12. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hmm. Are you there? Are you there? You're not there. Page 136. Thank you. Alright, rush, 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 rush. Luke chapter 12. I'll read from the NIV. <laughs> Verse 15 says, Now, if your Bible is original, you realize that what I'm about to read is in red. So it's the words of Jesus, right? Alright. He says, Alright, read one to go. Luke 12, 15. One to go read. Okay. I want you to read in unison. One, two, go. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. The KJV say, beware of covetousness. Do you, re- you know when you see beware of dogs? You don't just take it as a passive counsel. Like, I can still stroll into the house. Nothing will happen. We are cautious. Do you understand? He said, beware. Watch out. Do you understand? You know when they say, watch out, it looks like, hey, you know, be at a lot. That's what Jesus is saying about your attitude towards money. He says, be on your guard. So you can't have a passive disposition. You can't be indifferent about it. You have to be on your guard. He says, a man's life does not consist of the abundance of things that he possesses. He says, beware of covetousness. Beware of it. Beware of greed. Because if you are passive, it will take a hold on you. Greed. Praise God. Now, do you even know what happened when, before he made that statement? Let me read it to you. You might be surprised. We'll read verse 14. 
Well, let me start from verse 13. Someone in the crowd said unto him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. This is family property. Tell him to divide with me. And Jesus said, Who has made me a judge between you guys? And then he says, Watch out. So for you, you just think, No, this guy just wants to collect his share. I mean, I should have something now. Jesus said, Beware of greed. And then he gives a parable that tells you the gravity of greed. That tells you the gravity of wanting to just gather things. A very, very powerful one. Let's read it. Verse 16. And he said, he told them this parable. The ground of the certain rich man yielded abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what should I do? There's no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'm going to do. I'll tear down my barn and build a bigger one. And there I'll store my surplus. He said, I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grains. Laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Looks very harmless. You know, this is what the world calls financial freedom. Just take life easy. I have a lot of stuff stored. So I just take it cool. No need to hustle. No need to bustle. I just wake up in the morning. I don't need to go to work. Because I have a lot of things stored already. There's no need to work. The world calls it financial freedom. God calls it greed. When a man just wants to gather for himself. You know the funny thing? You don't even know the problem with what the guy is doing. To you, that seems like the perfect plan. I mean, imagine my dad has a lot of stuff stored, a lot of money. We just wake up, we just eat. He doesn't need to go to work. We just come. Maybe we'll go wake up at 9 a.m. What was that I was telling us that in his friend's house, they wake up at 11? No, they don't rush. Don't rush. So the guy came to visit them. He came maybe around 9. So the security man told him that he has to wait outside, that they haven't woken up. So he just waited. He said even the father had not woken up. So he just stayed. Hmm? Whose father wakes up at 11 on Saturday? Is, it not, is that not the time we clean and wash? And take Papa Nakara. He takes in the morning. He, no, the guy said, look, they don't, that's the time they wake up. It looks like a perfect plan. My dream life. <laughs> he says, beware of greed. Where you just want to gather things for yourself. He said a man's life, your life, does not consist of the abundance of things that you possess. So you don't feel inferior because you have less and you don't feel superior because you have more. Do you understand? What, let me tell you, um, let me talk to you. Don't evaluate your life by what you have. It's called greed. God hates it. Can I tell you something? There are few sins that are greater than greed. And I'll prove it to you. There are very few. If there's any at all. Do you understand? So we are discussing a very serious topic. Listen, in this series, your mindset to be changed. Praise God. So, that's your idea that you wanted to just heap up things for yourself. It's time to let it go. A man's life does not consist of the abundance of things that he possesses. 
Praise the Lord. All right. So let's continue with the story. I think I stopped in verse 19. Let me read verse 20. 20, are you there? Are you in verse 20? All right. But God said, you fool. <laughs> this very night, your life will be demanded of you. Then, who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Can you see what God had an issue with? What the guy had prepared for himself. Now listen, God doesn't have a problem with you having a lot of things. Do you understand? He doesn't have a problem with you having a lot of things. He has a problem with greed. Greed does not have to do with whether you have plenty or you have few. A poor person can be greedy. A rich person can be generous. A rich person can be greedy. A poor person can be generous. The church in Macedonia was so poor. Paul himself, Apostle Paul, was scared of their level of generosity. So the issue is not amount of wealth, but the state of your heart. You see that now? It's the state of your heart. Greed is where you depend on the resources that you have. That's what it is. I think I should keep reading. He said, then he said, then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? 21. Please, I want to read 21 together. Are you there? Verse 21. One, two, go. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. Do you see that now? The guy has stored up things for himself. But he's not rich towards God. <laughs> you know what? What I'm doing is I'm doing a scanty commentary on this verse, on this um, chapter. Wait until next week. Next week is an eye opener. Hallelujah. All right. Then Jesus went on in his teaching and began to tell us how we should not worry about what we would eat. Because his teaching, where he was going to, was he was going to teach you on generosity. The goal of his teaching was to teach you on generosity. Generosity at a level that will scare you. Let me go ahead of myself. And I hope we land safely. Go to verse 33. <laughs> Are you there? Alright, read together. One, two, go. Alright. He says, sell your possessions. Can you? Wait. Was Jesus joking or he was serious? Was he doing that thing we used to do to children? That I say, oh yeah, give me your biscuits. Now give. No, it's just an attempt to teach generous. And I say, oh yeah, thank you. Now give him back. Is that what he was saying? So when you're now going to sell your possession, and I say, okay, 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 I see your heart. And I come and drop your possession. Was that what he was doing? You know that this, do you realize that this is an instruction from Jesus? Sell your possessions. It's an instruction from Jesus. Did the early church do it or not? So it's not a joke. I said the goal is generosity. Do you understand? Because generosity is the opposite of covetousness. And so he said, beware of covetousness. If you are not being careful and on guard against covetousness, you won't be able to be generous. Praise the Lord. So that's important. 
So before he got to this place where he said to sell your possessions, he teaches them some things. And let's look at them. All right. So let's go back up. In verse 22, then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. I'm sure your heart was already going there. All right, now when I sell my possessions, what am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? He says, don't worry about your life. Tell your neighbor, don't worry about your life. Daddy cares. Our Father God cares. He cares about me. He's deliberate about me. Yeah. That's important. Listen. Oh, thank you, Lord. Remember what I said on Sunday? I said, if there was an argument about the goodness of God, if we were not sure if God was good or God is not good, if we don't know if we should trust him or not, what he did for you in Christ silences the argument. There is no good that can be better than what he did for you in Christ. If he's, the Bible said, if he spared not his own son, how will he not with him freely? Freely. Come on, say freely. 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 You know the meaning of that? Sometimes I don't need to sow a seed. Give you all things. Can you imagine that? I don't need to sow a seed. Should I tread on this part? Or should go back to where we're coming from? You said? What did you say? I didn't hear you. Tread on it. All right, you ask for it. If he did not spare his son, but delivered him. Do you understand? How can he not with him freely give us all things? That means you don't need to sow a seed to get admission. You don't need to sow a seat to get money. You don't need to sow $1,000 to get a good husband, a good wife, or good children. Praise the Lord. See, God loves you. Let me try and paint the picture well. I would have said how many of you are in a relationship, but some people that like shooting their shots, you'll start noting, this one is not, this one is not. Limited shots to be shot. <laughs> to be shot. <laughs> to be shot. <laughs> so let me leave it. But you know, eh? Does your partner need to sow a seed? Say this is your bed. Your bed is January. Um, January one is March. If I don't give this guy gifts January, I should not expect anything by March. Yeah. Somebody used to do it. Che. That's why we're teaching on generosity. It's because of that person. <laughs> that <laughs> I'm kidding. Praise God. But listen to the example again. Does your partner need to give you something on your own birthday before you say okay? I will now give the person on the person's birthday. Is that ideal? Don't you even go out. Sorry? You don't understand. I didn't hear you. What did you say? Did, eh? Ah. <laughs> okay. Sometimes we go out of our way. Do you understand? Even when the, we know that this person doesn't have the means now, with the ones that buy things for the person, you know, take the person out. But God, that owns everything, 
You now think you now say if you don't give him, I will not give him. It's logically inconsistent to think that a God that gave you his son for free would ask you for things just to give you what? 100k. Praise God. Like I said, this series would change you. It's not a prayer. <laughs> you know why? Because it will cause you to have a change of mindset. That's why after, what was that? Who were, I said we were around yesterday. And then I was talking about how much you were around also. How much you guys have learned. But I said, you know what? I think you are around. I think it was even US too. The things I'm teaching this year, many of them I didn't teach last year. That means you need to pay the same level of attention. Actually, you actually need to pay greater level of atten attention. Let me tell you why. I use the scenario of the peeping relationship again. So the guy gives his girlfriend something for her birthday, right? And she also, in return, gives him something for his birthday, right? But even if he doesn't give her for her birthday, will she give him? You, yes, right? So, her giving is despite his giving. Jonathan, now, let's start with what I taught you. Every biblical theology hmm, gets its bearing from from what? You see, when you are going up and down, you will not remember. <laughs> gets its bearing from what? Not only Bible, it's Quran. From Christ. Thank you. That's what every biblical theology gets its bearing from Christ. That's why I started where I started from. But you see, when your mind is not, when you are not paying attention to what you are being taught, you have an issue. Listen to the scripture. And this is an epistle. Jonathan, so it's more authoritative than Moses, true or You don't know? Thank you. If he did not spare his son, did you pray for Christ to come? Peace. Was it easier for God to give you Christ than for him to give you material things? Giving you, do you know what it meant for Christ to come? Christ is God. Pay attention, everyone. Christ is God. He came to earth, bore our sins, and took the punishment for our sins. He went to hell as a sinner. The Bible said, He laid on him the iniquities of us all. So God became sin. That's literally impossible. But he did it for you. Why? For God so loved the world. So if he could love you so much to become what is impossible because of you, what is money? Do you understand that he will tell you you need to sow to get? Let's read. Where we're reading. It answers your question. Ah, I've matched the P. We break it. <laughs> Are you ready? All right, let's continue. He said, I'm answering your question. He said, and this is a very important question because I thought about it well. As I was preparing for this teaching, I thought about this line. And I was like, let's continue. All right, look at it. Verse 24. This is Jesus talking. He says, Consider the ravens. What read it? Want to go? Consider the ravens. Uh -huh. Come read with life. Want to go? Did you hear that? He says, consider the ravens. They are not his sons. 
He did not die for them. Do you understand? He did not die for them. He said they need that and they need that so. And God feeds them. Who? God feeds them. So they broke everything. Number one, he doesn't, the Bible didn't say he so loved them that he died for them. Number two, they don't sow. Do you understand? They don't sow. But every day, they eat. And how do they eat? The Bible tells us, it's Jesus that said it. He said, your father feeds them. So, and then he now concludes by saying, you are more important than them. He's teaching you something. Because your perspective about God would influence your theology about him. God is good. That's where I started from. If there's any argument about the goodness of God in all of eternity, be settled by what God did for you in Christ. So, he is so good, he even feeds ravens. Some, you will never see them. Some, nobody ever saw them. They were born, you know, they were hatched from the egg. They lived their lives. He fed them till they died. Nobody ever saw them. Their names are not in the book of life. They will not rise at the resurrection. You know, dead and gone. That's their story. If he is deliberate about feeding them, how about you? This is what Jesus was teaching. Do you understand? That you shouldn't worry about those things. Your heavenly father would fix it for you. Do you understand? So, he is not saying that if you don't sow seed, then... Is that not even a twisted relationship? Imagine your dad says, in this house, you will not eat. I have all the money. Jensen, but for you to eat breakfast, you have to sow seed. Then your friend comes to visit you. You say, ah, in this house, we sow seed before we eat. Oh. <laughs> that's, that's how we do it. But our father is a loving father. He's a loving father. But to eat... Ordinarily, he knows if I don't eat, I will die. You. But I still have to source it. Will you call that a good God? Jensen, so your father will go out in the morning, go and feed the goats of your neighbor. But for you to eat, you must source it. He will feed the ravens. But you, your own food, you must source it. Is that not twisted? Is, is, that, is, that, is, is that who God is? So if he did not spare his own son. So every biblical text must be interpreted from the light of what Christ has done. Johnson must be um, interpreted in the light of what Christ has done. Giving. See, what, what is sowing seed? It's a very stupid concept. You know why? Because what are they saying you should do? So how many? Maybe 10% or just many amounts. Maybe I want wife, I sow like 2K. If I want tall, dark, and lovely, I sow like 2.5. If I want, which one? It keeps increasing. Do you understand? Let me read the scripture to you. One of the most... What word should I use now? When they caution you, one of the strongest cautions in the epistles. Because what they are saying is that when I come to God, so what I want, let me pick faith for now. Let me say I want to. I want a wife. And faith is probably my dream wife. Or maybe I've been trying. That has been hitting wall. So I now decide there's one way out. If nothing works, Sowing seed will work. So now, go and sow seed. First of all, where in the epistles do you see them giving? And they say, this giving, I label it as my wife 
or spouse generating seed. Do you understand? Even listen, no, even the woman, the widow's might. He wasn't attached to anything. Even the widow Zarifat that gave her last meal didn't give it and say, as I sow this seed to the man of God. Do you understand? So we don't see any example in the Bible. Go through the epistles. Look at the people that sold their house. You know what it means to sell your house? So listen, listen, listen. How much are you giving? How much are you giving that are bragging? People sold their whole house and gave it. They didn't, lay, they didn't tie it to anything. So what are you saying? Do you understand? People laid their lives down for the gospel. Do you understand? But you, ordinary, what do you want? Admission. They say you need to sow a seed. Because we don't know who God is. He's the one that doesn't want anyone to perish. And he did everything. Oh, Jesus. I read the scripture when I was in SS2. He turned my life around. Because I always wonder. At that time, I think Lady Gaga said one very scandalous thing about God. And I was just thinking. I was like, why is it that? All these people that used to say stupid, stupid things. Oprah Wilfrey said, God is the figment of a man's imagination. That is a concept in our minds. You know, like some girlfriends are a concept in some guy's minds. <laughs> One guy told us that the girl loves him. That they used to chat. They used to... I said, ah, how? Tell us about it. It's like that sometimes when he's in class and he just looks outside the window, she'll be passing and the eye will jam. And he just knows that she really, really loves him. He left that school four years without talking to the girl. His relationship with her is a figment of his imagination. But the scripture says that the reason why God keeps allowing them to leave People that say scandalous things about him, I think thunder will strike them. It's because he's hoping that with time they will repent. Mm. Oh he's that good. Then ordinary admission that connects can use can fix. <laughs> Do you understand? One guy said, when you go and tell them when they're interviewing you, tell them. When they say, what's your name? Don't tell them your name only. Tell them, I am so-so and so. The daughter, the daughter of the dean of so-so college. The admission is secure now. Ah. Do you understand? So I said, what we read, Jesus said that your father feeds the birds. Will he care about their well-being so much and neglect his own children? Do you understand? But that's not even what we're looking at. But what he said in that teaching was he kept going on and telling you how you should not worry about it. He said, you're worrying. Has it changed anything? So why are you worrying about what you eat? He tried to paint a picture of how good your father is. Do you understand? So that you can do the mass. I mean, if he feeds the birds and I'm better than them, I'm in his image. He came to die for me. He sent his Holy Ghost in me. He will raise me on the last day. Why should I worry about anything? Daddy cares about me. Do you understand? I'm not in a contract relationship with him. If your father, listen to me, if your father needed you to sow a seed for him to give you anything, you would hate him. Who will call your family a dysfunctional family. Do you understand? True or false? See, daddy, I want admission. 
He said, you know what to do. Is he a lecturer? What's that? Daddy, this exam, final exam was passed. My daughter, you know what to do. Is that who your God is? Praise God. Alright, let's continue. So, I don't intend to go in that line of teaching today. So, I won't explain every scripture. Jesus, but from what Christ has done, you can get an idea. Can I tell you, giving to get is dysfunctional. Jensen is dysfunctional. Is dysfunctional. First Timothy chapter six. First Timothy chapter six. Are you there? All right. From verse five. From such, thank you. He talks about those that teach that godliness is a way. Is a means to material gain. Meaning, when I do activities for God, I have a motive. I want financial blessing. He said, from such, turn away. Is that in your Bible? Because that puts an insult on the person of God. He said he makes the rain to fall on the good and the evil. He blesses their farms. The good and the evil. Now Jesus used that illustration because he was talking to people that were predominantly um, pre, yeah, farmers. Just like the parable we read in Luke chapter 12. He uses the rich man, his crop harvest because they would relate. They could relate. So he now says, God makes rain to fall on the good and the evil. Guess what? He blesses the unbelievers. Do you understand? That was, that's that teaching. That's what Jesus was saying. So he's not going to say, hmm, only my children, rain will fall on their side, on their farms. Then on the farms of the unbelievers, rain won't fall. No. He's a good God. There's no shadow of turning. God is good and always good. Do you understand? So God is not a means to gain. You don't need to believe in Jesus to get blessed from God. He did it too many times for you to know that's what he does. Do you understand? You don't need to be a believer to be blessed of God. The people, the people that, oh, people that say you need God to be rich are either myopic or deceived. People that say you need God before you can be blessed. Now listen, does God bless? Yes. Does he bless? Yes, he blesses. I just said, I just finished saying that he blesses the good and the evil. Do you understand? But do you need to become a Christian before he will do it? No. Does he stop when you become a Christian? Does he stop blessing when you become a Christian? No. We need now change the terms. You know, they think God is like a boyfriend. That before you, before he gets you, he's a nice guy, he's always calling. Then once you become his babe, you now start doing anyhow, you know, call sometimes. He'll be forming busy. You think that's who God is? He's constant. Do you understand? Alright, let me go back to my teaching. Then Jesus proceeds from there, from teaching on. So I said I'll teach on Titan. Titan, givings, 
tithing offerings and givings. That's part three of this teaching. Okay, we'll handle that. And then now, listen, let me say something else. And then the part four is work ethics. Because there's, and then that's where I'll teach on saving and investment. Here's why. We just read that Jesus said, sell all your possessions. And there's a tendency to think like, okay, I sell everything, any money that comes to my hand, I just give it out and I just trust God for what to eat and stuff like that. But there's a balance. Okay, there's a balance. So I'll talk about that in that part four. Is that cool? But here's what we're handling in this part. Greed. The state of a man's heart where he just wants to accumulate things for himself. Giving among believers is about generosity. And generosity is a testimony of your faith. Generosity is a testimony of your salvation. Do you understand? It's a testimony of your faith in God. Very simple. Greed is a demonstration of your trust in material things. Do you understand? So generosity is a demonstration of your trust in God. I think it was in, Ma- I think it was in Matthew 6 that Jesus said, you cannot trust God and trust money. Look at... Um, hmm, this is beautiful. Let's look at some scriptures. Who, 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 who. Colossians chapter 3 verse 5. Colossians chapter 3. Does God bless you when you give? Yes. Do you give so that He will bless you? No. When you give so that He will bless you, your motives are wrong. Your motive is wrong. Do you understand? Does God reward good works? Yes. Do you understand? But we don't we don't give as a means to get it. It means you have a faulty mindset. It's like fringe benefit when he gives you back, when he rewards you. Do you understand? When you give so that he gives you back. It's an issue. You have, you have an issue with how you view God. And this is the issue. This is, let me tell you the issue. The issue is the issue of greed. Or what the Bible calls covetousness. Do you understand? Because you can't save God and save money. Look at Colossians chapter 3. I'm reading verse 5. It says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to this earthly nature. And then he lists them. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. He said greed or covetousness. He said which is idolatry. Covetousness is idolatry. So, sorry? Greed. Do you understand? Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 3, he said, let it not be once named among you. That's, it shouldn't be hate that there is a covetous person in church. That is a greedy person in church. It wants, like, at all. Do you understand? So, it's idolatry. It shows that you don't trust God. Your trust is in money. Do you understand? So watch against it. Sometimes it just happens in our minds. We just want to... Ah, I'll paint the picture next week. What I want to do today is make you realize that there's something in your heart that you probably haven't realized called greed. And you have to guard against it. There's a level of trust we have for money that is too much. 
they are just uncomfortable when you don't have enough money. You just feel inferior when you don't have enough money. You just feel bad when you don't have that phone that your friends are buying. A man's life does not consist of the abundance of things that he possesses. Never evaluate yourself by what you have. You know why? Because you have a treasure. You have something more than gold. Your value must always be that I have a treasure in this earthen vessel. My evaluation about myself must always be that I have a treasure in this earthen vessel. If you are not doing that, you are in a black place. Let me tell you, if, if your valuation about yourself is because I'm fine, or I have a good voice, or I'm brilliant, you are in a bad place. You have made yourself the idol of yourself. Do you understand? And it always has a negative effect on other people. And many times, or some other times, a negative effect back on you. So because you're fine, you now look at this person like, who is this? Believers don't behave that way to other believers. James spoke about it. He said because a wealthy guy comes in and then the whole church is running health as What was that? Why in the world people are seen as wealthy by how much they gather? Believers see people as wealthy by how much they distribute. It's called generosity. He said you lay up treasure in heaven. He said that guy is a fool because he was laying up treasure on earth and he wasn't rich towards God. He wasn't laying up treasure in heaven. So we value people by how they distribute. That's why the Macedonian church was a church that Paul used to teach generosity. And they were poor. Today, the examples of people we use to teach other people generosity are rich people. The example that Jesus used to teach generosity was the widow with her might. We would have used the other people because they gave more. But she was more generous. The Macedonian church was more generous. Do you understand? So you don't value people because they have things. How much are they distributing for the well-being of other people? Without an heir, we should start respecting because we gave how much. Do you know what God did for you? So don't value anybody because the person has money. Do you understand? Don't you realize that money can grow wings and fly away? First Timothy, where we read verse 6, if you read um, chapter 6, if you read verse 6, verse 7, he said, you came into this world without anything. You will live without anything. Anybody you see, this is how to value them. Are they in Christ? Yes. If they are in Christ, they are brothers with you. Their rank in Christ doesn't increase because they have possession. Do you understand? Uh, so either in yourself or in the lives of other people, your valuation must not be according to things. Whether it's because you are fine, you are brilliant, do you understand? You are whatever you are, it doesn't matter. A man's life does not consist of the abundance of things that he possesses. Praise God. From today, begin to value yourself by what you have in Christ. Don't you realize that what you have in Christ outweighs every treasure. It outweighs every treasure. It outweighs the wealth of... I mean, the wealth of what you have in Christ outweighs the wealth of Bill Gates. That's what we learned on Sunday, right? So when you look at yourself from that place, you don't begin to pity yourself. I have a treasure. Something more than gold. He said, would you trade? He said, what will it profit you if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? The wealth of your soul 
outweighs the wealth of the world. So you go with that consciousness. Now listen to me. This is a consciousness you need to keep giving yourself every day. Because the system of this world is designed to make you put value on things and not on things of God. So he says, set your affection. Set your affection. I think it's set your affection we're doing on, on Sunday. This Sunday, I don't know. I think <laughs> set your affection. This Sunday. Do you understand? That's, that's, your, that's your duty. Praise God. So every day when you wake up, you tell yourself, my life does not consist in the abundance of things I possess. My life does not con. Some people think, listen, I told you it's already a lie. Some people think, if God gives you the blessing, God will not give you that blessing because he knows that if he gives you, it will destroy you. It's a lie. God was the one that gave Solomon wealth. Solomon didn't ask for wealth. The wealth destroyed Solomon. Did God know that the wealth would destroy him? Yes. Did God give him? Yes. Another example. King Hezekiah. God, prophet came to t- prophet Isaiah came to tell him that, look, you'll die. He went to pray. But God added 15 more years. And in those years, he wasted his life. Did God know you wasted it? Yes. Did God add the years? Yes. So it's not true. He said in James chapter 1, verse 5, he said, If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God that gives liberally and upbraided not. Verse 6, he said, He gives um, liberally and upbraided not. Means he gives without finding faults. The Amplified Bible says he gives without finding faults. Meaning you won't find a reason not to give you what you're asking for. That's your God. Praise God. Your responsibility every day is to tell yourself, my life does not consist. This bag I want to get. I will not give offering in church, but I'll be saving money to buy a bag. My life. You know the way when you just buy a new, let me say phone. I just come out of your, the shop. You're a new creation. Like, all things are passed away. This is the new me. Your rank just went up. You that was using touchlight phone, because you now press, you now have an iPhone. Technospark. They can't talk to you anyhow again. Jensen, uh, I'm saying this because, and I'm giving you examples so that you would know. Just you just look at everybody. Just there's a way you enter an environment. Just size everybody up. Like these people don't know who I am. It's just because I didn't come out with my. MacBook. That's why they think I'm a normal kind of person. Do you understand? The world sells greed to us. That's what they do. So, it's a big thing that a big girl accepted to marry a guy that is broke. It's, it's, it's wow. She's, she's humble. I don't understand. Are we not all meant to be humble? Or this is something... Do you know... what? That's not hum- humility. I almost said humble- humbleness. Let me tell you what humility is. What was I teaching humility? Ephesians chapter 2. Um, Philippians chapter 2. He said, Jesus, who is very nature God, did not consider it as something to hold for his own advantage. He humbled himself took upon the shape of his servant, the form of his servant, and died the death of a sinner. Then he said, let this man, before then he said, let this man be you who was in Christ. Because teaching on humility. That's humility. So that's, that's my standard of humility. That's the level I operate from. That's the goal. Do you understand? 
every day wake up and tell yourself, my life does not consist. Listen, now, when you don't have too many things, it's easy. I mean, you have regular regular um, Android phone. But you know there are some phones. You know those phones that are like this at the edge? Those ones that the whole screen is... The hair. Yes. Thank you. Pastor said, he saw where they were advertising the phone. They dropped it inside a cup of water. Like, this is what we are selling. Do you understand? Those kind of phones. All those phones that are not Android, and of course, I'm not talking about Blackberry. I can't be talking about Lumia for anything. Do you understand? Those ones that their Play Store is not Google. Yes, you have that type. No, no, no we don't do Bluetooth. <laughs> the Bluetooth, are, was it that said it? <laughs> do you understand? It's, it, some, some of these things, you don't know that you have traces of pride in you and greed in you until somebody just says, is there light in your house? Yes. I behave you go and charge it in your house. When I come in the night, I'll collect it. Just transporting yourself from that place to the house, you hold the phone, and now suddenly feel like you're bigger than life. Like I'm holding an iPhone. Like, who are you people? It's not your own, no. <laughs> Career service is what you're doing, no. Never allow things get into your head. Let me tell you, you are not better than any believer. Did you hear what I said? You are not better than any believer. So stop looking at yourself like, I'm not worthy. And that's what some guys used to take advantage of ladies. You feel like, oh, I'm not worthy. I'm an unworthy man in Christ. What's that? That he has car. He has money. He has money. You know who says that? He has money. He has money. Alright? Greed, covetousness is idolatry. Generosity is a testimony of your faith. Let me read it. Second Corinthians chapter 9. I think I can climax from there. Second Corinthians chapter 9. I hope you're being blessed. Alright. One person. I hope you're being blessed. Alright. <clears throat> My wealth is in the cross. There's nothing more I want than just to know you more. Continue. I can't all else's done. The greatest of my will nothing to me now. I my wealth is in the beautiful song. You said? What's the name of the song? Crown? Crown. Let me let me see if I have it. Good. We have to look. Let me read that that chorus again. It says, My wealth is in the cross. There's nothing more I want than just to know his love. Listen, no. <clears throat> I count all else as loss. The greatest of my crowns mean nothing to me now, for I count, I counted up the course of my way. Beautiful, beautiful. The greatest of my crowns mean nothing to me now. Johnson, I think we touch all of those things on Sunday, right? Yeah. All right. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse thirteen. It says. Hmm. Now, I'll read from verse 12. He says, This service that you have performed is not only supplying the needs of God's people, so definitely they give, right? They give material things. He said, This service that you have performed is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, 
but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanksgiving to God. So people are thankful to God because of what you did. 13. He says, because the service by which you have proven yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. They thank God for the obedience that accompanies the confession of Christ. No wonder Paul said, let it not be once named that is a covetous person in church. He calls generosity the obedience that accompanies your confession of Christ. Can you imagine? Generosity. He calls it the obedience that accompanies. Of course, it's the obedience that accompanies your, your, your confession of Christ. Christ himself was the one that said, to sell all you have, give to the poor, that you will lay up treasures in heaven. My trust is not in things. My father supplies my needs. I distribute. I lay up treasures. My trust is not in things. I'm not greedy. I don't want to just heap up things for myself. I want to better the lives of saints. I want to contribute to the forefront of faith. My resources will spread the gospel. I will contribute my resources to the spread of the gospel. I will give to better the lives of people. The love of God is shared abroad in your heart. Do you understand? So how can you be laying up things? And then there's a believer in need and you're like, ah, be filled. Is that not what James said? Be filled. For starters, the poor you would always have. So don't say, ah, there's no poor person around me. The poor you would always have. Whoosh. Paul said, let him that steals, steal no more. Let him walk with his hands. Why? So that you have to give. That's what Paul said. This guy was stealing. He said, don't steal again. Go and walk with your hands so that you will have to give. Because generosity is a testimony of your faith. So we know, that's why he said that he that doesn't provide for his father, is worse than an infidel. Because you are to supply. We reach your wealth by how you supply. You are rich in God. Remember what he said about the fool, the rich fool. He said the guy has things, but he's not rich towards God. You are rich towards God when you give. So when people are arguing about 10%, I'm like, seriously? Seriously? 10% is your issue. Can I tell you something that shocked me even when I read it? When I was studying? Is that your offering can outweigh your tithe. Some of you, your offering is just 20 naira, 15 naira, 10 naira, 13 naira. Giving for a believer is about generosity. It's not contribution. It is a testimony of your faith. Do you understand? It's a testimony of... It's not, okay, we're just trying to give so that things will just move. I'm demonstrating my faith. I'm demonstrating my faith. So that's what you do when you give. It's not so you're giving in any meeting. It's not just okay, ah, we're meant to give today. No. Your giving is a testimony of your faith. You are proving where your trust is. You are not laying up treasures for yourself. You are distributing. Most of us, all we think about is, okay, I just do one big giving a year. You know, one vow. God, I will give you this amount. And that's all. Or maybe tight. I'll just tight. I'll just tight once a month. That's all. 
more. I am declaring my giving is an obedience that accompanies my faith in Christ. Johnson. So, of course, it's free will giving. It can be below your tithes. It can be above your tithes. Johnson. I saw how everybody's face just dropped as I just started explaining that part. Ah! Voila. Hmm. Praise God. I recognize what God has done for me in Christ and I'm thankful. Take your eyes off your needs. It doesn't help you. What things ever you desire. John 16.25 says, Ask and you shall receive. He says that your joy may be full. So whatever you want, he says, Ask, you will receive. You don't need to pay him to do it. You don't need to bribe him. Do you understand? You tip God. You don't need to. What things ever you desire, when you pray, Mark 11, 24, believe that you receive and you shall have. What things ever you desire, what things ever you desire. Do you understand? So, I'll close with what I've been saying. It is logically inconsistent to think that God that gave you Christ for free would ask for something to receive, to give you material blessings. Okay. My admonition for you today is the same admonition Jesus gave in Luke 20, Luke 12. Watch out and be on guard against covetousness. Watch out and be on guard against covetousness. Watch out and be on guard against covetousness. Is that clear?